Okay, Happy New Year. Did you realize it was the first Sunday of the new year? Yeah, now, are you excited about it? I, I got to tell you, I'm not excited about it. I really enjoy Christmas. I really enjoy the holiday. I really enjoy just doing nothing, eating more than I should. You know, and so, but, you know, the, the calendar turned. It's 2019. And so, I don't know, do you, uh, do you do New Year's resolutions? I don't either. I, uh, I got tired of failing. Uh, so, I don't generally do those. I do make resolutions and goals in my life. I just sort of let them come to me as God leads them to me during the course of the year. But I did see a meme that might help you if, if you're... Somebody who's looking for a New Year's resolution. I saw a meme this week. It said, my New Year's resolution was to get rid of all the bad food in the house. It was delicious. <laughs> so, that sounds like my kind of resolution right there. So, the, uh, the title for the sermon today is The Ministry of Jesus. So that's a, big, that's a big title, right? Big topic, the ministry of Jesus. Now, I understand this is on Facebook Live, is that right? Hello out there, all of you in the Facebook Live world. I'm acknowledging your presence, and that's it for the rest of the day. Okay, that's all you're going to get. Uh, but is it okay, Richard, if I move around? Are you, is Facebook Live going to be able to follow me? You're going to follow me? Okay, follow Jesus first, then, then follow me. Okay. So, what was the ministry of Jesus? What is the ministry of Jesus? That's a big question, and I want you to consider that. Uh, I think that it's really important, and when I mean the ministry of Jesus, I mean, what are the things that Jesus did during his days on earth that he also wants us to do? I'm not talking so much about your prayer life and your personal relationship with God, and that's very important, but I'm talking about really the ministry, the things that we should be doing with other people. And so what is the ministry of Jesus? What did he primarily do with other people? So I'm going to pause here for just a couple of minutes because I want you to reflect on that. So I'm going to give you some, I want you to reflect on that question. What, how would you answer that? What is the ministry of Jesus? And so you can just think about that, and maybe you want to write something down on your paper, or maybe you want to discuss it with the person next to you, because that's what we're going to be talking about. So I'm going to give you two minutes. You're on the timer. Ready, set, go.
Okay, time's up. So you got in your mind, in your sort of heart, your idea of what the ministry of Jesus, how would you summarize it in maybe one, two, three sentences? So look over in Matthew chapter 4. If you've been here before, if you're new here, it's good to know this. We have no answers for you apart from the Word of God. And so we're going to go to the Bible, and we're going to look at the book of Matthew. There are four accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so here is one of them, Matthew, the very first one. And so we're going to start in the beginning, and I want you to follow along with me. In Matthew chapter 4, the first part, if you have a Bible, please turn to it. I think some of the scriptures at least will be put on the screen for you as well. But in the first part of Matthew chapter 4, you read... Jesus, as he begins his ministry, he's tempted in the desert. He fasts and prays for 40 days. Maybe you know that story. And so that's where he begins. And then eventually, and then immediately after that, it says in verse 12 of chapter 4 of Matthew, Jesus begins to preach. And so there he talks about how This was his destiny, and Jesus preached the word, and he brought people to salvation, and he called them to repent of sin. And that is the first part of the ministry of Jesus. That is to evangelize, to preach the word, to share your faith, to reach out to lost souls. That is one of the things that's a part of the ministry of Jesus. Interesting enough, the next thing he goes to, we won't read it, but beginning in verse 18 the calling of the first disciples. And so what Jesus does, he doesn't just preach publicly, but he also chooses just a few, starts with Peter, Andrew, James, and John. That number grew a little bit more, but he took a handful of people and he said, I am going to personally engage with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you to be a disciple. Another word for that is a follower of Jesus, the follower of God, and I'm going to show you how to do that, and I'm going to help your life to be transformed. And so in this church, we usually call that discipling. That may not be a term that you're familiar with, but that's what we're describing. So the ministry of Jesus was, number one, can somebody turn this fan off here? Thank you. Number one, not you people on Facebook Live. You don't have to turn the fan off. Richard has to do that. Uh, Number one is evangelism. Number two is discipling. And probably a lot of you, when you wrote down and thought about what the ministry of Jesus is, you came up with one or both of those as a part of that. What's interesting to me is whether you came up with what we're going to talk about next, which is the third side of this triangle that I believe describes the ministry of Jesus as we read in the Gospels. And we'll read this together in Matthew 4, verse 23. Jesus heals the sick. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were with various who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, 
and the region across the Jordan followed him. Does this surprise you? I believe that if you will read just a simple reading of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will discover, discover, I believe, that to summarize the ministry of Jesus, he evangelized, he discipled, and he cared for the poor and the needy. And that's the part that we sometimes forget. That's the part that we sometimes ignore. But if you read the Gospels, you really can't miss it. And in fact, I think a good suggestion for you, if you haven't done it in a while, is just read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the days and weeks to come, maybe, and make a mark in your Bible every time it talks about Jesus reaching out and caring for the poor or the needy. And I think you'll be astounded. Did you know that there are in the Bible over 2,000 scriptures that talk about the need, the responsibility, the expectation that God's people will care for the poor and the needy? And when Jesus came along, he didn't de-emphasize that part of the message. He made it even more powerful and more obvious. And I wonder sometimes, if you're like me, and we have missed the obvious, the importance of not just evangelizing, not just making disciples, but also of caring for the poor and the needy. I wonder if many of us have considered that to be something that maybe is optional or maybe of lesser importance. You know, uh, I just think, again, if you read through the Bible, it's pretty hard to miss. Except that, I don't know about you, but I have an astounding ability to miss the obvious. You know, my wife is a, a, a victim of that. Very frequently I will come and uh, I'm looking to get something to eat. And, and maybe it's, maybe some of the other men can relate to me. And I can't find something in our refrigerator. And I will be convinced that that is not in the refrigerator. I have looked all through that refrigerator and there is no mustard in there. And Mary Kay will sigh and she'll get up from where she is and she'll walk to the refrigerator and she'll go directly to the mustard and pull it out for me. Can any of you relate to that? Sometimes the obvious is not so obvious. The women all raise their hand. Yeah, I know. And then it gets even more, it gets even a little worse than that is uh, Mary Kay has this thing that she likes to do and she's a great homemaker and this happens from time to time. I'll come in the house and she'll take me to a certain room. It could be the living room, it could be the kitchen, it could be the bedroom, might even be the bathroom. And she will say, do you see anything different in here? And I know that she has been hard at work and she's done something to improve the appearance of that room. And, but immediately, I, my, my heart starts to race. My sweat starts to pour, my hands get clammy. I, 
I started to feel panicked. What is it? What is it? And it's so sad. It really is. What's even worse, guys, is sometimes Mary Kay will come and she will resent herself to me. And she'll say, do you see anything different? And I'm like, is it the clothes? Is it the makeup? Is it the hair? Is it the jewelry? I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing here. And, you know, my usual response is, honey, you look great like you always do. And then, you know, eventually I'll figure it out. But sometimes the obvious, what should be obvious is not so obvious. Now, this actually works for Mary Kay. Most of the time she suffers from this, being married to me. This works for her from time to time because uh, there are certain clothes that I have. I don't have a lot of clothes. And I'm sorry if you see the same ones over and over again. Actually, this shirt and pants are new. And so, do you see anything different? (laughs) So, anyway, these are new. It's Mary Kay. Got those for Christmas for me. So, uh, say something nice to her about it. But, anyway, I don't get a lot of new clothes. I keep wearing this. I've had clothes for years. And so, what Mary Kay will do is, from time to time, I don't know if the other women here do that, she will come into my closet and she will take stuff out, and she'll give it to the Salvation Army, <laughs> right? Or give it to the, the you know, uh, somebody who's a needy person. But the sad thing is, it's usually weeks, if not months, before I notice it's gone. If at all. There's probably stuff that's missing, and I never did notice it. I mean, one happened recently, it was very upsetting, I discovered, I realized that my, my favorite Dodgers hoodie was no longer there. How long ago did you throw that out, honey? L- long time ago when it started looking really rough. Okay. But it was a while ago. But I just now, just, just in the last couple of weeks, I figured it out. Where's my Dodgers hoodie? But sometimes I think... When it comes to the ministry of Jesus, and particularly his ministry to the poor and needy, what should be obvious is not so obvious to us. And part of the reason is, I'm going to do some some personal sharing and even some confessing today, and I'm going to tell a little bit of my story about my growing understanding of the need to care for the poor and needy. But uh, I think the problem, that a reason why a lot of you may not have thought of it is because people like me who are leading to you and who are preaching for you on a regular basis are not holding up this part of the ministry of Jesus and giving you really God's expectations for how you should be living your life. And I think I have to take responsibility for that as well. Uh, let me look at a couple more scriptures, and then I'll share some. Look over in Luke chapter 4, and these are just a few. I mean, so many scriptures, but I just want you to be convinced as we begin here of how important it is that we care for the poor and needy and how significant that was in the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus himself, in Luke chapter 4, goes into the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, and he introduces 
himself for the first time as the Savior of the world, the, the, the promised Messiah, the Son of God. And it says he came in and they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. And it says here, what did it say? Verse 17. Jesus in the synagogue in Nazareth, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is filled, fulfilled in your hearing. When Jesus chose a scripture out of the book of Isaiah, and I don't know if it was an option for him, he had to stay in Isaiah, or that he could have used some of the other Bible scriptures, or scriptures from the Old Testament. But even if it was just Isaiah, he turned to the one that said, I have come, I'm the promised one, I'm the anointed one, I have come to preach good news to the poor. I have come, what does he say? To proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. That's how Jesus described himself and his ministry in the very beginning. Look over in Mark chapter 9. One more scripture for you. Mark chapter 9. Verse 35. No, that's not it. Matthew chapter 9. Sorry. You have it on the screen correctly. Why didn't you say something, Dave? Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And before I read this, I want to confess something. One of the reasons that I've never, and I'll just tell you this right now. I told some of you, I gave you a little teaser. This is the first time in my entire ministry career, is it okay to say it, 36 years, that I've been in the paid ministry, this is the first time I've ever preached a complete sermon on the importance of caring for the poor and the needy. And I'm not proud of that. So today, you get to join me in my repentance. And in fact, we're beginning a series today and so you could choose now whether you want to come back or not. But the next four or five times that I preach, and I have to, some of you know me, I have to be a little vague because we just don't really know how long my series are going to last. <laughs> but I'm saying four or five times. It's not just going to be one. Every sermon that I'm going to preach for the next four or five times I preach is going to be on the ministry of Jesus caring for the poor and the needy. And so we're going to be doing that and you can decide what you want to, what your response will be. 
But here it says in Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What I started to say a minute ago is, one of the reasons I've never preached a whole sermon on this is because, I'm going to be very honest with you, because of fear. I've always understood the importance, since I went into ministry, day one, since I got baptized, of evangelizing and reaching out to the lost and saving a lost world. I have always understood since day one that I got baptized, I went into ministry, the importance of discipling relationships, of focusing on a few people who you can connect with, who will help you to grow in ways that you would never grow on your own. But I've always been, and I'm just being as honest as I can be, I've been afraid that if I also preached with the same conviction, the need to care for the poor and needy, then it would distract you or take you away from the importance of seeking and saving the lost and having discipling relationships with one another. Because we need to do more of that. We need to do more preaching the Word. We need to do more discipling. But I didn't want to risk that you would be distracted. We can't have you giving too much of your money to take care of the poor and the needy. Because then what's going to happen to our regular weekly contribution? What's going to happen to our missions contribution? And I was afraid. Another part of me, I used to rationalize it. I don't know how I did it, but, you know, the, I don't know if you've noticed that about yourself. I have an amazing ability to rationalize things that I know are wrong. But I kept convincing myself, and even though there's all these scriptures, and even though there's all these examples in the whole Bible, in the ministry of Jesus, about caring for the poor and needy, it surely is not as important, because what really matters is that people get saved, and that people go to heaven, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what happens to them physically in this life. So I kind of rationalized that. But this scripture helps me. Because it says that Jesus, it says what a lot of the others say. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's going around, he's ministering, he's healing, he's helping the sick, he's helping those in need. But what was the heart that caused him to do that? He looked at the crowds. And a lot of the people, listen, can we be honest? You ever wonder why Jesus had so many people in his crowd? Why so many people came to his church services? Because a lot of them were looking to get healed. A lot of them had needs they know that they were helpless to meet. And that's why they showed up. But you know what Jesus says of Jesus? When he saw these crowds, you know what happened? He had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. 
And perhaps I don't need to be afraid. And perhaps I don't need to rationalize. And perhaps if we all had the heart of Jesus and we had the compassion of Jesus and we just cared about people, then we would meet them where they're at and whether it was in their physical life or their emotional well-being or their relationships or their physical needs. Maybe it's the same heart of compassion. Maybe caring about people that much won't mean less people will get saved or less people will be discipled and less people will grow. You know, it didn't, seem to bother, it, didn't, it didn't really seem to be a negative in Jesus' ministry. You see where we're going there? So I already mentioned this. I'm a little slow to get it sometimes. And I've been very slow to understand and and I'm just, I feel like I'm still, still growing. But I've been very slow to understand the importance of a ministry to the poor and the needy. For many years in our church, the only thing that I really did for the poor and needy was give some money in the, you know, free will offerings for Hope Worldwide. And uh, always try to show up for the Hope Day of Service. So I could get my t-shirt. By the way, you want to make sure you're wearing that T-shirt on the Day of Judgment. But i that's about all I did. And then about 10 years ago, Doug Arthur approached me. You don't know Doug. He's a, a ministry leader in our fellowship. And he said, I want you to consider directing a project here in L.A. called Hoops for Hope where we raise money for our hospitals in Cambodia that provide free medical care for some of the poorest people in the world. And he suggested that to me, and I decided to do it. And so I guess uh, we did it about six times. We raised about a quarter of a million dollars for the poor and uh, just by playing basketball for 12 hours. It's not as easy as you think. Uh, and then, about eight years ago, after I'd done that a couple years, Doug said, well, I want you to come over to, to Cambodia to see the work at the hospital there. And i got to tell you, one of the things that will help you, I think a lot of people in here love Jesus, and there are a lot of people in here that have a heart of compassion. But if you don't open your eyes to what's going on in the world around you, it's easy to miss the needs that are right there. So I go to Cambodia, and the interesting thing was, because really, because I've been in the ministry, I'd been to some poor places before. Uh, I had been, in the past, I, I went to Soweto, the slums in South Africa, Johannesburg. Uh, I had been to Manila, to the trash heaps, where, they, where a lot of families live, the poorest people in Manila live. Uh, I had been to Kingston, Jamaica, you go to Jamaica and you think, wow, this is cool, Jamaica, holiday, and you just start driving through the country of Jamaica and you're going to see some unbelievable poverty. So I'd been those places before, but you know, it's really easy sometimes, you know, I saw it and it was kind of shocked to my system, but I just spent like a few hours there and then I would move on and it's really easy to just forget then, right? But I went to Cambodia for like five days. 
And every day I went to the hospital, and every day I saw things that they were doing, and every day I met people and I talked to people who were being cared for there, and something started to change in my heart. Then about five years ago, they asked me to be on the board of Hope Worldwide, our fellowship, and so I started, and that that helped me again, and then uh, my friend Marlon Shows was determined to do something for the homeless in Pasadena, so he started this connection with the Union Station Homeless Services in Pasadena, and you know, he talked to me about it, so I got involved, other people got involved. Uh, then after I'd done that for a while, then they, the Union Station Homeless Services asked Marla and me if there were any of us that wanted to mentor, personally mentor people who were trying to get out of homelessness. So a year ago, I started doing that. Some of you know I brought quite a few homeless people to church uh, last year. And uh, right now, I just found out that uh, they want to, there's a new uh, mentee that I'm going to get, uh, a 19-year-old young man. So anyway, that'll be exciting. His uh, family has been homeless, and he really wants somebody to help him. The interesting thing, this is sort of Bill, the interesting thing is that none of these steps that I take have taken that were things that I initiate. Somebody else called me to care about the poor. And they did it in very gentle, loving ways. See, Doug Arthur called me to direct Hoops for Hope. Doug Arthur also called me to go visit the poor in Cambodia and see what was really going on there. Some people on the Hope Board called me to come and serve. Marlon called me to come and care about the homeless. The people at Union Station Homeless Services called me to ask me if I'd be willing to serve. You know what I think we need to do a lot of around in this church, in this fellowship? We need to be calling each other to serve and care about the poor and the needy. And there's no shame in that. We need that. We need to do that for each other. So today we began a new sermon series. I think I mentioned, I, I left out one thing. The last board meeting I went to of Hope Worldwide, Steve Kennard, who you may or may not know him, he's a, uh, a teacher and a scholar in our fellowship, and he's written a lot of books, and he's in New York City, and he just wrote a book called Jesus and the Poor. And so he came to our Hope board meeting, and for several days in a row, he gave us lessons from his book on Jesus and the poor. And he asked us at the end of the, in one of the lessons, he said, some of you guys have been in the ministry and, you know, your leaders in your churches. How many of you been in the ministry have ever even preached one full sermon on the need to care for the poor and the needy? And, uh, that was, a, that was a tough moment. We had some sharing afterwards, and I said, I will tell you this group. I told everybody on the board, everybody was there that day. I go, I'm ashamed. 
I'm embarrassed. But I'll tell you this. As soon as I finish the series that I'm in now, you know how long that takes. <laughs> Finished up my first Principles Refresh series. I said, I'm going to preach, and I'm not just going to preach one sermon. I don't know how many it's going to be, but I'm going to preach a series of sermons. You know, once again, somebody called me to do something. You know, I'm, I feel, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, I feel good about, to very good about many things that I've done as a preacher and a leader. And a lot of you guys know me, and I'm a strong believer in God's Word, and I, I, I can be bold, and I can share the truth, and I don't compromise what the Bible says about who's saved and who isn't, and I don't compromise what the Bible says about the need to, to, to be a fisher of men and to be a, a disciple and somebody who's sold out for Jesus, and a lot of things I feel good about. I do not feel good about how I've neglected to call us as a church to be people who in a very real and significant way care about the poor and the needy. So, today that changes. So we gotta, we got to close out. I just want to summarize again, just so you don't miss it. Jesus came to establish a kingdom, a new kingdom, radical kingdom, a revolutionary kingdom that would shake up the world and turn the world upside down. And in that kingdom, all of us would be a part of it, and all of us who will follow Jesus. We are called to be like Jesus. We are called to the ministry of Jesus. And that means we're called to share our faith. And we are called to disciple one another. And we are called to care about the poor and the needy. So only one thing I want to ask you to do as we close out today. There's a lot more to talk about. And we'll be doing that in the rest of this series. But I just want you to walk away and just do this one simple thing for me. I want you to examine your life and evaluate whether you feel like you have been living up to the call of Jesus to be a person who deeply cares and is committed to those that are poor and needy. Now I'm going to help you fill in the blanks. We're going to do that together over the next few weeks about what that means and what you could do and what the possibilities are. But I think the place to start is for you to evaluate whether or not you're following and whether you're really living out the ministry of Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this time to share as a church family. We're excited about those that are visiting with us and hope that the message made sense to them and was helpful and inspiring and encouraging. But we just want to we want to be a people who care like you do, God, like Jesus, like you do, for the poor and needy around us. Help us to be those people so we can really uh, live out the ministry of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. Have a great rest of the day.